Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Devin Hassan. Gentlemen, once again, it is a Thursday, and would you look at it, we are out here at Kelly's Craft Tavern here in Frisco. Once again, to bring you another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, yes, if you are uh, getting off of work and you want to find a spot to wind down for the uh, for the evening, swing on by Kelly's. Try out one of the uh, one of the many craft beers they have here at their full-service bar alongside some, uh, from, some made from scratch food. That is Kelly's Craft Tavern located at Preston Ridge on the west side of Preston, just north of 121. And yes, once again, a big thanks to Kelly's for having us out to, uh, to talk some high school sports. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is right now, I guess, a uh, busy season in, uh, in, uh, in high school sports coverage. You know, we've got the, uh, the high school basketball playoffs are in full swing. Soccer is reaching the, uh, you know, the most important part of its regular season. We just had baseball and softball get going. And then, you know, we just finished wrestling and swimming, and that means you know, golf and tennis and track are coming up. It's just, it's, it's really, uh, yeah, this is about as crazy as it gets for us. But we're going to actually deviate off track for the first part of this podcast and talk about um, one of the, uh, you can call it one of the perks of the job. You know, it's, uh, this is one thing about um, being a high school sports reporter in the Dallas area is that, I, I mean, I'd say pound for pound, and, you know, you guys can speak to this just as well. I mean, the talent level within just the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is is just pound for pound across the country about as strong as there is. I mean, just the from the top sh- from the top shelf teams, the athletes. I mean, it's and it's across all sports. It's not just in your you know the, the heavyweight sports like football and basketball and whatnot. You have I mean just five star athletes just all across the board within this area. And you know um you know as as reporters, one of the you know one of the unique perks is once you uh you know once you stumble onto being able to cover a once in a generation talent, the kind of player that you see like okay, that's someone who. You know, you know. Fingers crossed. One day they could do big things in college, and then maybe with a little bit of luck, go on and have some success in the pros. So, um, you know, we've had a, uh, you know, we've had our chances over the years to see some athletes who very much fit that mold. And you know what? That's what we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, I guess, uh, take a nice little uh, stroll down memory lane, talk about some of the uh, the former high school athletes from our coverage area who are now doing it big over in the pros. Um, yeah, we'll just uh, chat a bit about that and just um, kind of see where it goes. Because uh, I mean, Devin, I'm sure you've got plenty, you know, <laughs> to bring to the table on this. Hey, are not, you dating me? I, there's really no easy way to. There's really no easy way to bring that up. The, the gray and the goatee doesn't tip it off. So. You can't see the gray and the goatee from the camera. So I sure you can. I'm not far behind you, man. Um, but yeah, so as far as where to start with this, um, I don't know, uh, Devin. Yeah, was um, what was the first thing that kind of sprung to mind just in your time around? You know, whether it was through your co- through your coverage in Rowlett or Mesquite or some other aspect of your career. Um, what did you? I mean, just kind of yeah. What is one example of just some really notable high school athlete that you've seen that's now gone on to have a significant pro career? Well, you know, I, I got kind of spoiled from the start. When I was interning back at the Garland paper years ago, the first story I did, sports story I did, was on a feature on Derek Dockery, who was offensive lineman at Lakeview at the time, went on to UT, then went on to a 10-year career in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, this guy, you know, he was 6'5", 300 pounds in senior in high school. And, you know, so that was one of the things. And then and I didn't, you know, that was just an internship. And then when I got back, this is, uh, I guess, cl- one of my first assignments, I was with the Dallas Morning News, so I'll get full disclosure there. Um, I got sent down to Houston to see Madison play. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a quarterback they wanted me to check out and do a story on. Well, the quarterback was Vince Young, who to this day is still <laughs> the best high school player I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously didn't have quite the NFL career, but there's one of those guys you could point at high school and say he's going to be a star. Yeah. Uh, but kind of my one of my other earliest recollections is on the basketball side of things, and that was I guess that class of 2002. Um, again, dating myself, uh, but that was back uh, when Lincoln had Chris Bosh, and Chris Bosh was one of those guys that you could see he was you know 16 in high school, athletic freak, could mm-hmm. shoot the ball. He was one of those guys you could point to immediately and say that guy's going to be not only in the NBA, he's going to be a star. But at the time, you didn't even know if he was the best player on that team. 
team because that was that 40-0 national champion team that also had Brian Hopkins, who was a heck of a talent in its own right. That same year, the Colony had a pair of kids, Darren Williams, who obviously went on and had a, a long NBA career, and Bracey Wright, who most people thought was the better player in high school. Uh, that's, I mean, it sounds hard to believe now, but back then that was in the discussion. You know, Garland, uh, you know, had Ike Diagu, uh, a 6'8 okay, kid who spent, spent several yeah. years in the NBA, and he was kind of overshadowed. Wait, and, he's from Garland? He was gone high. Really? Didn't he play for the Cavs? <clears throat> Big he man, he he's bounced like a, around. He went yeah. to Indiana, I think, is where he started, and he he bounced around. He had a healthy career uh, in the NBA. Post, post player, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know he went to Garland. Yeah, but he was, and he was, but again, he, so he was somewhat overshadowed because they, he, that was the same year that all these guys came out. And so I'm thinking, wow, I mean, these guys are destined for the NBA, and three of them obviously made it. You know, Bracey and, and Brian Hopkins had successful. Bracey had a quick swim through the NBA, but most mm-hmm. of the, but they had you know long European careers uh, as well. I was like, you know, I'm gonna be seeing future NBA stars, you know, all the time. I, and you know, then you start to think back at it; it's really a rarity, and that was an oh, anomaly no having that yeah. amount of talent. I mean, you mentioned it is talent rich. These guys go on and, and excel in, in college, but it's so hard to make that jump all the way to the NBA. And so, as I kind of go back in my memory, you know, I, I get past that class, and there hasn't been that many guys that I've. Now, granted, my, my coverage scope has has it was a lot larger mm-hmm. back then. I've been focusing, you know, on on the Garland, the Mesquite, the Rowlett, the Saxy areas here for the last several years. And we've had some guys like Quincy Acey, who from Horn, for who sure. played at Baylor, and then you Great know was guy. able to yeah, played yeah. With the Texas Legends and the Nets, the Mavs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but but you know, it wasn't it wasn't like I was thinking when I was you know 22, 23 years old. Oh wow! I'm gonna, by the time I get reach my age now, I'm, I'll have seen fifty NBA players when they played in high school, and I can <laughs> say I knew them then. You know, it's it really is it's mm-hmm. such a rarity, and but it's just something that you also can look back on, and it's, it's special. But it is hard to say, you know, to say that then the bona fide, like I say, a Chris Boss, where you go, For sure. that dude's going. That's that's a rarity. I'm in a similar boat as you because I was spoiled. You know, I'm going on about <laughs> four years yeah. here with the, with the with Star Local Media, and my first year was R.J. Hampton's freshman year, <laughs> and you know he had a lot of hype, but it wasn't like oh my god hype until about midway through his freshman year. I remember I covered little on basketball. That was the first basketball mm-hmm. game I actually covered at the high school level. And it was Little Lum against, I think, South Garland. Um, second ac- actual game of the season for them. And I'm watching. I, I meet up with uh, head coach Kendrick Brown at halftime. And he's like, hey, you, you check out the freshman yet? Or, no, it was right before the game. They're shooting around, mm-hmm. doing the dunks and layup lines and stuff. And uh, Kendrick Brown, he's like, hey, have you checked out the freshman? you seen him? And I was like, which one is he? Because RJ was just this little string bean kid. And I was like, I, I didn't, you know, I I didn't barely even knew what Little Elm was when I first, when you told me I was covering Little Elm. I was like, oh golly. Um, so uh, yeah, I hadn't really known too much about RJ. You know, and they don't really give out you know rankings to freshmen on ESPN and stuff like that. Um, about midway through the second quarter, I was like, holy crap, this guy is really good. And then obviously midway through the season, he, he's averaging 25 points per game as a freshman, and he's getting offers, you know, these top offers and whatnot. And then, you know. R.J. Hampton, you know, before you before you know it, you know, he's foregoing his senior year. He's winning, you know, being nominated for National Gatorade Player of the Year. Yeah. You know, averaging over thirty points per game, getting offered by, you know, every school in the book. And then, obviously, so I guess technically, I have covered. A professional athlete. For sure. Oh, yeah. He's, he's technically a professional yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, and he's the only one. I have a bunch of college studs that I've seen, um, you know, that come to mind. You know, Jason Shelley, Nick Bolton, those yeah. football stars. Absolutely. Nick Bolton, you know, he was started almost every game as a freshman. The linebacker for, for Lone Star, he's now at Missouri. He We might see him in the NFL in two years. He's going to play his junior year at Mizzou. He's that good. Um, but, yeah, RJ, you know, he played with the New Zealand Breakers, going to enter the NBA draft, and he should be on an NBA roster next year. You know, if everything goes according to plan. So, even though I've really been here, what, three and a half, going to four years, the the studs I saw my first year are, you know, sophomores or juniors in college. But, I mean, R.J. Hampton, he said, screw that. I'm skipping my senior <laughs> year, and I'm, I'm going to go straight to the, the NBA after playing, you know, pretty much half a season yeah. with the New Zealand Breakers. I think back to, um, actually back to when, you know, um, our old sports editor, Kevin Hagland, when he got his job at The Fan, he's now a midday host um, as part of the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. 
when he um, you know when he left Star Local Media and I kind of took over you know part of his responsibilities. One of the beats that I undertook was covering Allen football. You know beforehand I would uh, I would only get to see Allen play maybe once or twice a year and whatnot. Kevin was obviously you know all about every chance he could get to see Allen. You know he was he'd take advantage of it. Um, so I wasn't really though until the 2013 season when I got to take over a you know full time coverage of Allen football. And if you think back to 2013, that was a team that was quarterbacked by some kid named Kyler Murray. <laughs> and, um, you know, by now, I mean, you know, again, the, the legend of Kyler Murray is, is very well documented at this point. You know, uh, you know, 42-0, and 0, never lost a game as a high school starter. You know, won three state championships, Gatorade National Player of the Year, and then obviously went on to have just immense success at the college level at OU. And now is, you know, just coming off an Offensive Rookie of the Year campaign with the Arizona Cardinals. And it's, I mean, I just think back to kind of what it was like, you know, just the early days of the of the Kyler Murray era there at Allen. Even before, again, back in 2012 when he was just a sophomore and making his first, um, you know, his first ever run on campus. And, you know, I don't know how many people, again, beyond just your high school football junkies and your, uh, you know, just your Allen football fans remember this, but just, but Kyler wasn't the starter to begin his sophomore year. It wasn't like Kyler just stepped right in on campus and just took over and just, it was just, they were off and running. He was, he was actually the backup to, um, to a kid named Oliver Pierce, who was actually a, a standout wrestler at the high school it's like football was his quote-unquote off-season sport and just imagine that (laughs) um but you know oliver pierce was kind of a jack-of-all-trades type that had been kind of waiting in the wings to take over at quarterback and you know they gave him a shot as a senior and whatnot and i just remember kevin coming back though when he was out doing a uh you know a practice on a a story on their uh you know on a a -a two-a-day story and that was the uh the first thing that he was you know was talking about like i mean oliver's looking nice man but you get this sophomore that they have he's you know because kevin's a a texas a&m alum so you know, Kyler Murray is the son of Kevin Murray, a former A&M quarterback. So when he learned that that was, that was Kevin Murray's kid, naturally, you know, he kind of took a little bit of extra interest. But just to kind of see then, you know, Kyler was only used really as kind of like a, he would spell Oliver every here and then, you know, every few series, Kyler would get a chance to, you know, to have a drive or two to himself. And, but, I mean, you could see the potential early on. I mean, he wasn't like, you look at what Kyler's become, and then you think back in 2012 when he was more, I mean, it was really just more of a, more of a runner than he was a passer. His arm hadn't really... He hadn't really, I guess, discovered his gifts as a as an actual like a you know as an actual passing quarterback, and was used more so as a uh, as a runner when he was just a sophomore. But you know, you could obviously see the promise there, and just his speed was just other just otherworldly at the position, especially at the high school level. Um, you know, but it wasn't until Allen's what is still to this day is Allen's last regular season loss when they got beaten overtime by Capel back in late September of 2012 that they uh, that they made a change at quarterback and they bumped Kyler up to starter for the uh, for the district opener the following, uh, I guess, two weeks after the fact against Plano East, and um, you know, they won that game against Plano East 56 to nothing, and then that's I mean, the rest was history, and it's just uh, to think of, like, no one at the time obviously could have envisioned, you know, what would have happened, happened with Kyler, and the fact that this kid would literally never lose a game that Allen would go on to have, what you can make a case is, you know, I mean, it was a 57-game win streak, ultimately, you know, is, you know, what um, what that first win against Plano East was, uh, you know, what it launched. I mean, you could argue it's, as as, as dominant a run as any team has ever had in the history of Texas high school football, winning 57 games in a row against, you know, 6A, 5A competition and whatnot, the UIL's largest classification. With Kyler, though, just when I think back to kind of what it was like covering them just on a, uh, on a on a routine basis, I mean, it's, you know, you'd expect this for a kid who's accomplished what he has, but, like, he legit never had a bad game. Like it's <laughs> And this is, again, going up against, I mean, some of the most loaded high school programs that you could throw at him, you know, the DeSotos, the Skylines, Trinity, and whatnot, you would, I mean, there would be times when you'd have teams that, like, if you took away you know, if you took away the ground game, then he'd just hit you over the top for 350 yards and four touchdowns, or if, you know, if he was having a slow day passing the ball, and he just made up for it by running for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he was just... I mean, again, there really was no way to ever slow him down, and you always felt like that no matter the odds, because it wasn't just smooth sailing. I mean, if you're going to win 57 games in a row, you got to get a little lucky along the ways, and Devin, you've seen some of the instances firsthand, and certainly Allen along the way had the, you know, a, a fortuitous bounce here and there. The wind of God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, just some of those uh, some of those crazy moments, like you were just alluding to, that the, the 2013 state semifinal against DeSoto, which to this day is still the best high school football game I've ever covered. 
covered. And that was, um, you know, Kyler stages a, you know, a 15-point comeback in the fourth quarter, and, you know, they take the lead, you know, inside the final 30 seconds in a, a crazy, crazy game where, like you mentioned, uh, you know, Allen's lining up to punt, and the ball comes down, and it bounces off a DeSoto player, and Allen recovers it and keeps the drive alive. Yeah, it, it didn't just bounce up. It, it blew. It stopped, and the wind blew it back, and it hit a DeSoto player who wasn't paying attention, yeah. and Allen recovered. It wasn't like they went down and made a hit. Yeah. It was just it was one of those things that's just meant to be. I mean, it was just one of the most bizarre plays you'll oh, yeah. ever see. And then DeSoto racks up, like, two personal fouls after the fact. So all, all of a sudden now Allen's, you know, closing in on the red zone, and then Kyler has, a, you know, this 24, 25-yard touchdown run with, like, 20 seconds left. And that was when, though, like, that was kind of the first sign of, like, okay, there's something special about this kid. Like, this this, this isn't normal, just this level of, I mean, it's, it was really one of the first true signs of greatness from, uh, from Kyler. And he had already won a state title the year before and whatnot. And, but, I mean, that just to come to overcome those those odds against a team of that caliber. Because remember, that was both Allen and DeSoto were both ranked in the top five nationally that year. I mean, it was I mean it was as good a game as you can make in high school football. And then just thinking of, I mean, you know, the, the following year when, you know, Allen had a really, really young defense. So they were having to win a lot of games, like 48 to 45 and the like. And it was literally just, just Kyler, Kyler, Kyler. And just, I mean, instances like in the playoffs there where they had just this absolute murderer's row where they went through DeSoto and Arlington Martin and Euless Trinity and Skyline. That Skyline game, they were down 18 in the second half, and then they winning the game by like 17 points. Like, who does that? That's just what he was capable of, though, man. And it's, you know, but I still remember like the, um, just the, his last ever game when he was, um, you know, Allen is, was already well ahead of Houston Cypress Ranch, you know, closing in on a third consecutive state title. Uh, you know, Kyler had done his thing, you know, put up just gaudy, gaudy numbers. And, um, and they, they decided to, you know, they, they sat him about midway through the fourth quarter, pulled him out, and put him in the backup. And I just remember looking around AT&T Stadium, which I believe that was, I think it was the, what, the second largest crowd. I think it wasn't as big as the Pearland crowd from the year before, but it was the second largest crowd in the history of, uh, of Texas high school football. And just about the entire stadium gives Kyler a standing ovation, not just to say, like, I mean, yeah, you had a great game and all, but just like, wow, what an incredible three-year run to have a, a career the likes of which, I mean, who knows, the next time you'll see something like this, not the fact that you just went undefeated over three years, but that he did so in the UIL's largest classification. It's just just an unparalleled level of success that he had. And, I mean, to see what he's been able to, you know, carry that on to the you know, college level, basically had a year just like you'd see out of high school when he was, you know, one, one of the Heisman at OU. Now he's doing his thing with the Cardinals. It's just, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty good. To, it's pretty good to be Kyler Murray these days. Oh, yeah. I can't stand when people are like, oh, yeah, Kyler Murray, you know, from Oklahoma. I'm like, no, dude, he's from Allen. Like, we have him. Yeah. Texas, the DFW has him. <laughs> like, now he's always associated with Oklahoma, yeah. obviously. I mean, he won a Heisman. But I'm like, no, Oklahoma cannot have that. <laughs> well, he's Texas. Well, and you mentioned a lot of the guys that you've covered. You know, they're 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 if their professional days are ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But and we we can sit there and pick out now. Hey, this guy really has a chance. But it's a lot of the guys that you're covering right now have a future in pro sports that mm-hmm. you may not know about. For sure. When I, when I was covering Taylor Gabriel, um, who we talked about earlier. Um, at Horn, he wasn't. He was arguably the second best wide receiver on that team. For sure. Um, you know, he went to Abilene Christian, wasn't heavily recruited, but you know, played his butt off for four years there. Mm-hmm. You know, set records, NFL teams. Didn't care. Undrafted. Wow. Went and worked his butt off again for the Browns. Um, you know, which is somewhat of a curse sometimes, but it was his blessing, and he made the team and has since, you know. Come on and, and proved himself. He got a big contract from Chicago a couple of years ago. Um, you know, but that's a guy that you know. When I was watching him on Friday nights, I didn't forecast him being a, a future NFL player. You know, same thing with Demontre Moore over at Rowlett. Heck, even Marquise Goodwin. I th- I knew Marquise Goodwin. He's one of those athletes that was destined for great things. I didn't think it was going to be an NFL career. I thought it was going to be winning the gold medal in the long jump um, <laughs> because, and he did go to the London Olympics in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, actually had the longest jump in the world that year. It just didn't come at the Olympics. So he's he's certainly capable. And there's been rumors that he may make another run at it in, t- in 2020. Oh, so great. Uh, yeah, if it doesn't get canceled, um, <laughs> coronavirus. Uh, but uh, but you know Marquise, you know he worked really hard at UT uh, as a wide receiver. Um, worked his way up the depth chart. Became a really good receiver and has had a nice nice long career now. Mm-hmm. Like he signed with San Francisco for a multi-year yeah. deal a couple of years ago. Um, you know so there's some guys. 
guys that kind of you don't see that necessarily at the high school level. As good as they are in high school, you just kind of go, oh, I, you know, they're, they're not going to play pro. There's a couple examples. I just want to bring one quick one. It's not sure. that I covered um, on a consistent basis. But, you know, I saw Matthew Stafford play in high school. Right. And I saw, I saw Clayton Kershaw play because Highland Park is always in with those boutique mm-hmm. schools. But one in particular, uh, and this was back in the 2013 playoffs in a game I think we've talked about before, but uh, Poteet's played White House. And I, I even had to look up just to see exactly where White House was. I knew it was east. I didn't know exactly where. But uh, White House had a quarterback that people were talking about, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Who? Not, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I mean, people were talking about it in high school circles, but not really nationally. He was a three-star kid. It wasn't like he was a bona fide five-star. I can pick any school oh, in the yeah. country. He was a three-star kid who committed to Tech, who a lot of people thought Tech wanted him because he fit their system. That was the knock on Tech for all those years. But uh, in the one time that I got to see Pat Mahomes play, I knew he was going to play in the NFL. And not just play in the NFL, he was going to be a starter. I mean, he threw for over 600 yards in this game and five touchdowns. He rushed for 70 yards and two touchdowns. They, their team ended up losing because 65 to 60 because, you know, the defense couldn't stop Poteet. But Poteet certainly couldn't couldn't stop Pat Mahomes in that offense either. And I just I remember thinking it to myself and then going down to the to the field to talk to Cody Groves with the Thomas Poteet head coach afterwards. And, and Cody Groves told me, he said, that kid right there, that quarterback is the best player, high school player I've ever coached against. And, I mean, that's high praise because, you know, these coaches, not, you know, they've been around mm-hmm. and they've seen some of the best talent, you know, out there. And, I mean, I, I concur. I still say Vince Young is the best high school player that I ever covered in high school, mm-hmm. that I ever saw play in high school. I thought Pat Mahomes. Holmes was the best NFL prospect I ever okay. saw because I just you could just there was something about him you could even see back then. So around that same time, I covered a quarterback when I was at UNT um, covering Denton ISD football, Gerard Hurd. Yeah, yeah. He goes on to play Texas wide receiver. They moved him from quarterback to receiver. He wins back-to-back state titles as the starting quarterback. You know, he, he was a, a beast on the basketball court. I'm like, man, this dude is awesome. And I was kind of you know I was kind of bummed to see them you know. Texas make him move to receiver, and he had, you know, he had a good career mm-hmm. at Texas. And then uh, in getting ready for this podcast, I knew he was playing for the Dallas Renegades, um, obviously the XFL team here in Dallas. Well, uh, doing some research for this podcast, two days ago, he was waived by Aww. the Dallas Renegades. <laughs> uh, he, like, muffed a punt. Um, luckily, they didn't lose the fumble, but mm-hmm. he muffed the punt and lost those duties and only had like four targets through the first two games or something. And I was like, man, Gerard Hurd was my guy. Like he was, I thought he was going to be the super stud. Maybe not like a Kyler Murray, but I thought you know, sure. this guy's going to, you know, this guy's a chance to be an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, but what, do, what do I know? But, but he had a comparable high school career to Kyler oh, Murray oh, yeah. in terms of winning and, and the yeah. numbers it, he put it up. Was at it the was... same time. Like I remember him, the, you know, one of the best games I ever saw was them beating Highland Park mm-hmm. in, the, in the state semifinals, the 4A semifinals at Allen. Um, I believe it was 2013. So it was about the same time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Kyler Murray and Allen were, were playing in classification above, but but yeah, I thought Gerard Hurd was going to have one heck of a career. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's still young, but it sucks <laughs> that he got you know let go by the, the Renegades. There was one more name I wanted to bring to the uh, to the table before we take a quick break. And Devin, you had mentioned you know when a player goes pro, not really knowing what to expect out of them, depending on where they might get drafted. Now, as far as the sort of acclaim that this player had back in high school, I mean, he's he's about as revered a player as a player as you'll ever find out of Plano. And I just missed him by one year, though. I started at the paper in uh, 2009, right after the end of the Rex. Burkhead era back at Plano Senior High School. So all you can go off is really highlights and just what you hear, just in stories about Rex back then. I mean, and you know, Rex's nickname back in high school was Superman, which is very fitting because the way that he is talked about just in Plano circles, it's legit like you're talking about a superhero. I mean, he is he was that highly thought of. I mean, it was at the time he was you know he was the first freshman in nearly like 40 years or whatever to get like meaningful playing time at the varsity level with Plano, and that's I mean Plano just just give out you know varsity snaps to just freshmen just like. You know, like like that and whatnot. So I mean, it's you already kind of knew that they kind of saw something special in him. He was actually a quarterback for uh, for a year before he made the move to running back, and then had as prolific a year, a prolific a uh, you know a run as as any players ever had in that program. He was you know Gatorade Player of the Year and whatnot. And you know, you look at then what he's done since then. And with with Rex, it's not just the the contributions on the field and whatnot. He's been able to carve out a seven year NFL career despite being taken in the sixth round. You know, he spent four years with the Bengals, and he's been his last year with the Patriots. He won a ring with the Pats. You know, a couple. 
couple seasons ago against the Rams, but it's also that he um, you know, has really become well-known off the field for the job that he's done raising awareness for pediatric brain cancer. You know, he's been really, really big in that area through um, you know, his foundation, the Team Jack Foundation, you know, something that um, you know, kind of started when he was at Nebraska, you know, befriending uh, Jack Hoffman and whatnot. And, I mean, he, he holds fundraisers you know, in his hometown every year. He's raised just untold just millions of dollars you know, towards that cause and has really become kind of a champion in that, uh, in that field. So, I mean, Rex is, you know, to, to talk to Rex, he strikes you as the kind of person that no matter what he had chosen to do in life, he would have been awesome at it. Yeah. He just had that kind of way about him. But it is, you know, it is cool to see a guy who's, you know, whose legacy is going to last far beyond what he accomplishes on the football field. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even though I just missed him in high school, and, I mean, it sounds like quite a, quite a show because, I mean, it was, I mean, this kid was incredible by all the sounds of it. But, um, but yeah, just in the years, you know, since having gotten to know Rex a little bit, it's, um, yeah, it's just really, really cool what he's been able to do now as, as far as this, uh, this charitable cause of his. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is just a look at, I guess, some of the uh, some of the notable high school athletes that we've seen in the past that are now doing big things with the pros. It's just crazy how, I mean, it's the path that they all take is just it's so different. You can never, it's never a guarantee that what you see in high school is any sort of harbinger of things to come because so many things can happen that can, you know, knock you off the uh, off the tracks, whether it's just situations or your inner circle or whatnot. So it is, you know, you, I mean, you don't take it for granted when you actually do see these kids, you know, get to the get to the pros and achieve the kind of success that, you know, they were sort of preordained with back as, uh, as high schoolers. Um, so I'm um, yeah, going to shift gears, though, and talk a little bit of uh, high school football for the remainder of the podcast, and that includes a quick interview with Frisco Reedy head coach Chad Cole, uh, talk about the, uh, the upcoming season for the Lions, as well as some of the prep work that they've been putting in through the, uh, through the offseason, um, you know, fresh off realignment and whatnot, and we will do that on the other side of this quick break. And we are back with Reedy head football coach Chad Cole. Uh, back-to-back Frisco guests, uh, you know, really glad to have you on. I, you know, I, I had to bother you all week to get you on. I know, I know, it was, I was, you know, pulling teeth, but I'm, I'm glad you're here. Always good to talk. <laughs> with high demand, Cole. coach. <laughs> I don't know if it's high demand. <laughs> camera shot. Let's call it camera shot. <laughs> no, no, no. You're always appreciate good. you having me for sure. You're always a good interview. Um, we're here at uh, Kelly's Craft Tavern in Frisco, uh, and coach. So. The first thing I wanted to ask you, so last time I really saw you, you know, was a few weeks ago, about a month ago or so, realignment, and you were scrambling. You weren't the only one. I know Coach Rayburn was scrambling. Other coaches were, you know, seeing that y'all were in a nine-team district. It kind of, you know, put some non-district schedules out of whack. You know, talk a little how crazy that was, because I know you were talking to multiple coaches for a week two, correct? And you didn't have a week two? Week one. Week one. And you were, I'm not going to drop names unless you want to, but you were, you were talking to this, talking to this, and you ended up uh, landing Liberty? Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay. talk about how you know frantic and stressful and crazy that was. Well, first and foremost, it's fun because you're back to football, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's your first 2020 uh, football action. So it's exciting, but it's nerve-wracking in the same token because, you know, you're, you're lining out a two-year schedule. And, uh, you know, you want what's best for your program, so you're fighting and scratching to try to p- find the best fit. Um, you know, depending on how your district's going to lay out, you know who you're playing. We knew we were going up. We know our... Um, you know, Division One is gonna gonna be a, a an added challenge for us. So uh, try to find some non-district games that will challenge you, but won't destroy you. You know, so it's a it's a very difficult balancing act. Um, and you know, I probably hindsight, I was rolling the dice that the colony wouldn't be in our district. Well, you know. Where did you think they were going to land? Well, I I didn't know. You know, I was hoping for other things and then just wishful thinking that uh, surely they won't put them back into that district. And uh, they'll go in a different direction. We can play Rudy again. It's a really good, uh, you know, matchup for us. It's right down the road. Very convenient for us uh, to get out of the Frisco district um, in non-district and play. And uh, so I, it was wishful thinking on my part. So I kind of screwed that up. So, yes, the scramble was on when they flashed the colony with us in a nine-team district. Um, I had some backup plans. But, you know, as the scramble ensues, you can see from across the room that that backup plan is not going to happen. As I approach, I'm like, 
Okay. So, you know, <laughs> you, you move to, to, Do you want to tell us what that first backup plan was, plan I, A? I, I'm not going to name names. He's a good <laughs> yeah. friend of mine, and, and I felt good about it. Mm-hmm. Thought I, uh, we had good conversation, and uh, it was very apparent as I head towards him that, uh, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so he found something better, and uh, I had to move on down the road. So you were kind of surprised by the colony, but obviously there, you know, there's two new schools in, you know, paired with y'all, uh, Denton and Denton Ryan. You know, how kind of surprising was that? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't call it surprising, um, challenging, you know, to say the least. Um, so accepted it, got to roll with it. Here we go, nine team. I was thinking eight for us. You know, we came out of that Division Two yeah. nine team, and they had been in an eight team forever. You know, I was at Wakeland for ten years, and we were always in an eight team, and uh, so didn't really even give it a second thought. So, so what's the main difference go. between an eight and a nine team district? Is there any? I mean, obviously the one less district game, but and, is there anything different? Well, you know, the to? fact that you you know you're not dedicating that week four to everyone's buy. So now you have a rotating buy. So now that first district meeting that you have is more critical on what you draw because now you could draw a week three by or you could draw a week ten by, and then that makes a difference. Um, now it's been a, you know depending on how you're stacking up in the district, you could later on down the road, all right, a, a week 10 by is going to be good for us because we're in the playoffs and we need a week off or a week nine or a week eight. You know, you, you could have a perfect scenario, but you're drawing it out of a hat, so you're never going to get that. What did you draw? I drew five, so okay. pretty good. Yeah. You know, excited about that. I'm not excited about the challenging games we have mm-hmm. before the bye, um, but – I like where our buy landed. You mentioned just um, kind of factoring in the the fit as far as kind of laying out your non-district schedule. What um, what kind of qualities do you look for in a team as far as you know kind of who to schedule and which sort of teams to target based on where your uh, your, your program is at? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. You know, you're looking for a win number one, and then you're looking for a competitive game that will get you ready for district play. That you know. Is a winnable game, mm-hmm. you, you know. There, you you saw the board list up there um, that I was chasing through, and you know, Duncanville needs a game, and South Lake Carroll needs a game. And Duncanville needed all the games. That's yeah. not. That's every, not. It's just like uh, <laughs> that doesn't fit in my equation. Yeah. I don't know what kind of math problem that would be, where you would need to play those guys. But the Frisco Reedy Lions uh, didn't fit. Yeah. yeah, you said it right. Math problem, emphasis on problem. That that's right. It would be a problem. That's right. <laughs> How cool was it to be able to keep you know two Frisco opponents as the non-district matchups, Frisco and Frisco Liberty? Really cool. You know, uh, our defensive coordinator, Coach Legrone, was not really fired up at playing Frisco high because they're a wing tee, yeah. and it's just a totally different animal uh, that you have to prepare for. So, eh, Coach, that really doesn't help us moving down the stretch. But, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're a, a good rivalry, if you would call it, you know, most of my coaches, some of my coaches, let's say, came from Frisco High. We've got a really good relationship. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun week playing those guys because there's a lot of shenanigans that go on. It's good for our kids because they'll turn it up a notch. So um, love the fact that even though they're Division Two, we're Division One now, we could still keep that game. And then, you know, going back to week one, we pick up Liberty. Um, I had dropped a 6A opponent to pick up Liberty and that was in that shuffle that you were talking about Um, better fit for both of us you know we're still in the same district taking care of one another Liberty's on the rise Um, you know they got a great draw I'm I'm very excited for those guys friends with all those coaches that they get that division two route that we've had for two years Mm -hmm. that we really enjoyed so uh, excited for that and their growth and and excited to play them hadn't played them in a long time so now you said you were at Wakeland for 10 years Uh so how far back does your Frisco roots go good question I had one year stint when I first came into the district in about uh, 2004 and that was Coach Ronnie Mullins, our old assistant athletic director. That was his last year at Frisco High. So I had one year stint there, got my feet wet, found out what an amazing district this is, and then we kind of disbanded there at Frisco High when he took the assistant athletic director role. Uh, I went to Grapevine for a year, and then... The connections that I made at Frisco High, being like a, a Mike Ferris, Dr. Ferris was an assistant principal at Frisco. He gets the 
principal job at Wakeland, so I had a good connection to come back. So do you still know Ronnie Mullins fairly well? Oh, yeah. So Ronnie Mullins, fun fact, my roommate is a uh, assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches at Saxe. You know, he's a young guy, but his dad used to coach Highland Park and all this stuff, so he's got a lot of coach, coaching connections because of his dad. Ronnie Mullins calls my roommate all the time. He just retired. From, just retired, Okay, yep. that's what I thought. Yep. Um, Irving and, MacArthur. And so that kind of leads me into one of my next questions. So, Well, let me finish no, no, the fun fact. That's okay. okay yeah. We're sitting around that scramble table, yeah. you know, right before the Ronnie action Mullins starts. There Ronnie's there, and then he looks around, and it was like a Ronnie Mullins tree because it's <laughs> Greg Pels, who's the head coach at Richardson, that's standing right beside him, and it's Stephen Anthony, who's the offense coordinator at Richardson, that, that we were all on that staff together yeah. at Frisco. It's huh. it's Brian Chandler that's the OC at Liberty. It was like, hey, there's a Ronnie Mullins <laughs> football cool. tree right yeah. here. So he, he's made yeah. an impact on a lot of people. I, I feel lives. like he knows everyone. He uh, does. Like, I, it was just like two days ago he was calling my roommate just to, just yeah. to talk. And his son's now at uh, Wakeland. So Inch, I didn't know yeah. that. Yep. I didn't know that. Okay, so this is a question I've been curious about, you know, over the past year or so. So I see how much, like, an assistant works, a varsity assistant football coach works, you know, during the offseason, during the season. You know, how, much, how, how many hours would you say a football head coach is really putting in week to week? Y'all work a lot. Yeah, and, and given our athletic coordinator yeah. role, yeah. Uh, that, that certainly, you know, uh, football probably takes a back burner for most of the spring, yeah. you know, winter and spring because you you dive into that athletic coordinator role. So, you know, Coach uh, Gilchrist, Coach Rayburn, and myself were 4.30 a.m. headed to Houston, you know, Friday morning to, to catch our state wrestlers. And then we, we brought it back home late that night. So uh, it's all fun because we're supporting kids and, and we're watching our programs grow and compete, but uh, it does eat up some clock for sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't put a number on it. You know, I'd have to have to jot it down week by week. But uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Frisco ISD has always been fascinating to me. I have a lot of background in Garland ISD with the seven schools there, and it seems like its success is kind of cyclical. In a, in, a, in a school district with that many schools. Frisco, though, just the rapid growth and the fact that it seems to open another high school almost every year, and I know you got one or two more on the way here in the next couple of years. With, when you have that many schools in the same school district, does it make it more difficult to build a consistent winner? You know, yes and no. Um, you know, we're building – we're building quality kids, and, and we're working on that character piece, and we're trying to make men of integrity and better husbands and fathers and workers when they walk outside our doors. And uh, we think and believe that if we accomplish all those little bitty things, that the success, you know, will come. It's about talent at the end of the day. Like you said, cyclical, if you will. Um, when we have the talent, we're going to win more football games than, than when we don't. You know, when we graduate, five uh, offensive linemen that looked away. Our, our offensive <laughs> linemen looked a couple years ago. You know, that, that had a lot to do with winning. And, and sometimes they're not always there. But when they are, um, Coach Kirkendall and, and his staff have, have done a fantastic job of finding the guys that, that can make it work. So, uh I don't know if I answered that question or not. <laughs> now, what has, you know, before we let you go, what has been starting a program from scratch, you know, been like? And especially, you know, y'all found some success real early, but you kind of just alluded to, you know, talk about those first two or three years. You know, how, you know, how were y'all able to have so much success so early on? And what was that like, you know, starting a program from scratch? Well, I, I wouldn't trade it. It was a lot of work. Um, you know, I was I was finishing my Wakeland responsibilities in the classroom it, that spring that I got hired. And, and Reedy wasn't even open yet, we, right? We weren't open, but we got to shuffle kids over to a middle school and kind of start growing that. You know, we opened as freshmen and sophomores, and we got to open, you know, with a JV schedule and just build the bonds. And, you know, our kid, Frisco kids are so great. They, they're smart enough to see what's going on. They knew they had an opportunity to, to be on the ground floor to put their stamp on this thing. You know, you take Josh Vosky, for example, that quarterback we had. I mean, up until this year, he was the only quarterback for four years that took a meaningful snap in our program. Like, where else would that happen, you know? Um, and he's using that to elevate himself at, at Stephen F. Austin right now. But, man, just 
from designing a helmet decal to coming up with how well, we didn't even know how to break out a huddle. Like, what are we going to say here? <laughs> you know, I mean, and you don't think about little things like that. Like we're out there at Staley Middle School and I've got a couple of coordinators with me and we're starting to work the kids out. And, All right, guys. Uh, I don't know what you want to do here. Hey, you know, and then you throw it back <laughs> on them and then they have some ownership in it. Well, let's uh, let's clap it up and say reading lines. <laughs> All right. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> it's stuck ever since. So, uh, man. You know, I, and uh, Coach Humble, Mark Humble, that, that just got the Rock Hill job, you know, we, we talked the other day, and, and I just said, as busy as it is, because you're hiring, I hired 38 coaches, you know, in that, in that spring. Like, that's crazy. And then that's not 38 interviews. That's, you know, three to four per position. Um, but slow down and enjoy it because the memories that I made, I, mean, I wouldn't trade them for the world. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of work, but, you know, didn't didn't get into this to, to avoid work. But uh, the success came with uh, having great kids that were bought in and, and saw the future, saw what could be. And, and I always said, guys, you know, all this work you're putting in, it's not guaranteeing you're going to have any success. You know, you're just laying a foundation. If you lay it correctly, the guys that come up behind you, can have some success if you do it right. Well, they're like, eh, coach, that's cool. Let's have a little bit before I get out of here. And, and we had yeah. a pretty pretty awesome year. Um, I think that first year with seniors, we, you know, went nine and two, something like that. Pretty outstanding. So uh, driven kids that, uh, you know, got great parents and great motivation to, to be successful. So it was awesome. Good deal, Coach. I appreciate you coming on uh, our fourth ever remote podcast uh, here at Kelly's in Frisco. Uh, when we come back, we'll keep the, the football talk going. Um, we'll be talking uh, some big non-district games um, to look out for uh, next season on the gridiron. Big thanks to Chad Cole for taking the time to chat on the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. So uh, let's um, let's you know what let's veer off the tracks one more time and let's talk some high school football. You know the one sport of all the ones that we have going on right now that's uh, still got a ways off from high school football season. But there's there's never really a bad time to talk high school football. And you know we were just talking with Coach about you know realignment and the process of forming your non-district schedule. Well, you know we've uh, we now at least have an idea as to what um as to what our various teams have you know at the start of next season. So, I don't know. Why not get a jump start and give a way too early look at some of the uh, some of the more notable non-district games that we'll have um, on the horizon for uh, for next season? Um, you know, Brian, we had one that came down the pipe, a bit of a late bloomer as far as um, you know where a lot of this stuff kind of materialized on realignment day. You had one for uh, you know for the best team that you cover, Frisco Lone Star, that didn't materialize for another week or so. But um, but boy, what a uh, what a matchup that was, man! Talk a bit about uh, yes, it's going to happen first time ever, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, they take on. Lido yes. in week two, and wow, holy my god! <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's ironic that we had you know Coach Cole on yeah. you know, first. Reedy, you know, Alito was the team that ruined their dream season. Man, I thought just watching Reedy play that year, what two years ago with uh, was it Jace McClellan yeah. and uh, man, or what's his name, Earl Steele? I, I, he's going to he's committed to Texas or Texas Tech or something. Yeah. Man, they they were just running wild, and I know he's coming back next year. Man, Alito is just. Ma- this machine and you know see watching them play was so much fun because they were the only team that year that i saw not give it to reedy but like be competitive with reedy but also beat them down at the same time sure. i was like wow man this alito team is a machine and don't they have i just saw a special uh i guess fox sports did it or something you know a while back they've had three consecutive brothers uh at quarterback like so, they have, one is one quarterback for like three years, another one quarterback for three years, another one quarterback for two years, and between them they have like I think all nine state championships or something like that. I, I mean, it, it's ridiculous, and I cannot wait to see this matchup. I mean, Lone Star loses Marvin Mims, they lose Jalen Ford, who's going to Texas, they lose you know Torn Pittman, they lose some of their defensive guys, some of their defensive line. But man, they're they're just going to reload. You know, they stay. This this matchup is going to be must must see. Uh, must see TV. It should be televised. That's how that's how good it is, and that's going to be a good game to prepare for sure for that district. Granted, they don't play Denton Ryan until the very very last game of the season. Wow. I, I don't like when when you know when district schedules are like that. I know I don't know if that's on purpose or not. You know to be juicy or whatever. I, I don't think it is, but the, like I, I'd rather prefer that game. You know, 
third or fourth lap game mm-hmm. to b- before the season ends. You know, with with major playoff implications on the line because who knows what you know. I know we're talking about non-district, but who knows what will be on the line that mm-hmm. final week of the year. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, that Alito matchup. Granted, and they only get two non-district games because they're in the nine-team district. Mm-hmm. You know, with the six Frisco schools, the Colony, and the two Denton ISD schools, so they needed to to land yeah. in Alito or, or a powerhouse of that nature. That's your dress rehearsal game right there, going up against what has been the, I mean, one of the great high school football programs for forever, it feels like. Um, I mean, what a, what an opportunity for them when you look at what they were able to do last year when they announced their presence to the rest of the state by beating Highland Park, Park yeah. you know, becoming the first Texas team since, what, 1998 to beat Highland, the Highland Park in Highlander Stadium. Yeah. And then if you're able to go the following year, you know, with, I mean, with the new, the pieces that they'll have to replace, and then if they could potentially score a win over Alito, just what a massive statement that would be for the for a program that's really, I mean, that is slowly becoming a, you know, kind of being wanting to be mentioned in that same breath as the Highland Parks and the Alitas as far as a year-in, year-out juggernaut. Before Highland Park, it was Denton Ryan. Yeah. was their non-district, you know, foe that they had lined up against when they had MJ Rivers uh, against Spencer Sanders a few years ago. Uh, that game was at the Star. I believe it was, it was the third district game of the year. They almost beat Denton Ryan mm-hmm. that year when no one was beating Denton Ryan except for Highland Park, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, they really almost took them down. It came down literally to the wire. MJ Rivers had a great game. So it's kind of a tradition now. Week two or week three, um, you know, they don't have a week three non-district game, so they had to push to week two. But it seems like for the last, you know, decade almost, at least obviously since I've been covering Lone Star, they've had some just absolute juggernaut on their non-district schedule. Let's see. Uh, Devin, where did you land on this, man? So as far as um, what's going on in your coverage area, what is um, what is a non-district game that jumped out to you? You know, I, I'll address Mesquite ISD first. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's some name programs, some name, I mean, like Horn and Highland Park play in week two. Um, obviously, Poteet and West Mesquite yeah. uh, keep the, continue their rivalry. Oh, they, they've got separated yeah. into uh, different divisions. You know, there, there's that Mesquite Flower Mound opening date that looks interesting. But I think, you know, Coach Cole just said it earlier on when they, we were asking him about uh, non-district play. He said, you want to compete and you want to win, but you don't want to get destroyed. For sure. And he's talking about not just the scoreboard, but confidence-wise. You look at the Mesquite ISD, you know, Jeff Leaner still seems like he's relatively new. He's going into his fourth season, but that makes him the dean of Mesquite ISD coaches. You know, Tim Cedar's going into his third year at North. Uh, both Roddy McLean at Poteet and Chris Hudler at, at Horn are going into their second year, and obviously Frank Sandoval's taking over at West Mesquite. So I think what Coach Cole says kind of resonates when you look at kind of their rundown and how they did non-district. These are teams that have struggled three recent years. They're still trying to get used to going into that second or third year of a coaching system, and so they're scheduling based on Building confidence on getting better on teams that are on their, mm-hmm. on, on their level where they can you know get off to a good start. They're not going to go out there and schedule you know the teams that we're co- talking about you know Duncanville's and Allens and yeah. stuff like that. There's there's no point to it at this point in time. So you know that's what they're. It, it may not be a lot of sexy matchups, but it's a lot of good matchups when you look at mm-hmm. you know North Mesquite you know, against Lakeview for instance. That's that's kind of a, a unofficial rivalry they played the last several years. I mean you know North Mesquite's going to go up against a solid team with you know maybe the best running back in the in the state, Kamar Wheaton, and they're they're, they're going to test you know they're going to test themselves, but they're also going to give them a chance to win. And then with um, you mentioned Allen, and it's realignment is always fascinating for them as far as like filling out their non-district schedule because they face very much the same plight as like your Duncanvilles and whatnot, and that it's really really tough for Allen to schedule teams because well teams just aren't going to be willing to just to jump up and play Allen, and it's one of the big reasons why you have every year so many uh, so many of the uh, of the state's elite teams will draw you know at least you know one or two out-of-state opponents on their schedule just because it's tough to find teams in state that are willing to play them. Um, you know, with Allen, they uh, they just, like last year was actually such a, a breath of fresh air. It was the first time since uh, since 2013 that they had uh, that they had played in a non-district schedule of just nothing but Texas teams. Like they went through this run where over, I want to say like over a five-year span, they played six out-of-state teams. I mean, schools from like South Carolina and Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, Utah even. Um, so it's, and with those matchups like you never really know what you're getting as far as how much those games will actually you know ultimately end up testing your kids but um you know i know that's something that head coach terry gamble kind of wanted to get away from and just get back to scheduling more texas-based opponents but you know you look at a scenario like allen this past realignment where you know every every team kind of goes into realignment with an idea as far as what their uh, what their non-district schedule is going to look like and um you're just kind of hoping that nothing happens based on realignment that would rock the uh, rock that schedule whether it's the number of teams that are in your district or if you just happen to wind up in the same district as a team that you've already scheduled as part of your preseason, and that happened to Allen. Both 
of those things happen to Allen. They were they were supposed to play Denton Geyer in week one as part of the Tom Landry Classic. Well, they wound up being put in the same district as Geyer, and they had been in an eight-team district for so long, so you really only have weeks one, two, and three set. Then they get put into a seven-team district, and that opens up week four, so all of a sudden now Allen is scrambling to fill weeks one and week four, and I mean, it wasn't until like later in the uh, later in the afternoon that um, you know the coach Gamble was finally able to find a team to fill that week four spot. It wound up being Tyler Lee of all teams, a bit of an off the beaten path name. And then for week one, you know, they, uh, you know, Plano East was in the same situation with them. Plano East was uh, was supposed to open against Marcus. Well, now Louisville ISD and Plano ISD are in the same district, so they're both scrambling. Coach uh, Coach Gamble was able to convince Coach McCullough to take that week one spot, so you get the Allen Plano East rivalry. You know, still uh, even though they're uh, you know they're going to rivalry. I mean, I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, as far as teams that you've, they've played each other for yeah. you know for the last twenty years and whatnot. So in that sense, and you know what, of the of the three Plano schools, East has been the one that has offered up you know a bit more resistance than the others. Now, ultimately, what does that really mean? You know, when against against Allen, which is you know lorded over that school district for so long. But at the very least, it's a, you're going to keep the Allen PISD thing going at least in that respect. Um, you know, as part of the Tom Landry Classic to lead things off. Um, but you also then. You know, through that, you got, you know, they already had games lined up against Atascacita in week two. That's going to be a brand new opponent. You know, it's a first time matchup there and one of the, uh, you know, one of the better programs down south. Um, a team that's really, really kind of come on strong over the last five years or so. They've really elevated their profile. Um, you know, they won 12 games last season. They've been to the state quarterfinal round three of the last five years. So, kind of like the Dickinson game last year, a brand new opponent that's going to offer up a bit of a different look otherwise. Um, and then in, you know, in week three, they get to play Cedar Hill again. They played Cedar Hill these last couple of years. That's always a really solid game, and you know it's 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 pretty rare to think that uh you know Allen's not too often at a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to the quarterback battle. You know just how it's been forever with Allen; they always have just an elite talent at quarterback. But Cedar Hill has what was I guess newly ranked the uh, the number one quarterback in the entire state in Caden Salter, um, so that could be um, obviously a very very fun challenge. Allen's going to have a brand new defense for the second straight year. They graduate just about every starter on that side of the ball, um, but um, but yes, it's always it is always interesting to see just kind of how Allen's non-district schedule shakes out just because, again, the, the plight that they face, the plight that Duncanville faces, that all these high-level teams face. And then there's the aspect of like talking with um, with Joey McCullough, you know, as far as the uh, the methodology that went into scheduling Allen, and it wasn't like you know, it's not like they um you know they were uh, reluctant to play Allen or anything, just because I mean, listen, if they go out and lose by forty or whatnot, then oh well, you know, it's you know, Coach McCullough has seen Allen you know too many times. And there's nothing about that matchup that intimidates him. What actually what made him a little initially uh, reluctant to accept that was that he didn't want to uh, play a team that he might see in the playoffs if East makes it, because if East makes the playoffs. They're most likely going to be in the D1 bracket, and they could very well draw Allen in the first round. And you wonder how much that uh, that sort of mindset kind of plays a what kind of a role it plays in how coaches decide to approach who to play in non-district. Obviously, there's cases where, like last year, you know, Coach Rayburn was not, you know, didn't have any qualms about playing Highland Park in the you know in non-district, and you know, knowing that they could very well see each other in the uh, in the postseason. Um, now, you did see a much more competitive game in the postseason, and you see why that you know why that thought that uh you know that that train of thought is out there because you just you don't want to give you know just a you know tape to an opponent of how the two of you match up that they could potentially draw from you know for a potential rematch and I totally get that line of logic from a from McCullough's standpoint because you saw I mean yeah obviously you know Lone Star kind of dominated that first meeting and then you had overtime to beat him in the playoffs best game I saw all year yeah. yeah and then you've seen kind of the same thing with uh, with Argyle you know against Waco La Vega these last couple of years they've played La Vega in the second week of the regular season these past two seasons they won both of those matchups and then they got thumped by him in the rematch in the playoffs. Now, again, it could just be coincidence and whatnot. Teams, obviously, early on in the season, you know, you're still trying to figure out what you have and whatnot. But, you know, you can't tell me that it doesn't help to at least have tape of how you match up against a certain team to be able to kind of draw from and figure out, okay, here's what we did wrong the first time and here's what we can correct going forward. Um, so that does play a factor in it as well. Um, but, um, but, yeah. Then, um, but, but also you got one of, the, uh, one of the more unique non-district matchups to come from that was um, with Marcus, who had its week one opponent fall through. 
with Plano East. They're now going to play Spring Westfield, who's one of the dominant programs from the Houston area. I mean, obviously, they, it's not, you know, they haven't had the, the run of recent success like, like, North, like North Shore has and whatnot. But, I mean, it's still a program that, you know, was, uh, is coming off a 13-2 and season last year. They got to the state semifinals before losing to Geyer. And they've won double-digit games for the last nine years. I mean, they're always in the mix. They had one of the best defenses in the entire state last season. And then you have Marcus now, who's coming off its best season in forever. They went to the, uh, I believe it was since 1997 was the last time they went three rounds deep. They were able to match that this year before running into uh, Amarillo Tuscosa. They're going to be loaded once again next year with Garrett Nussmeyer, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire state, J. Michael Sturdivant. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a heck of a test right out of the uh, right out of the shoot to find out kind of where you stand. And it's really it's really Marcus kind of, uh, you know, announcing its presence as far as being, you know, one of the upper echelon teams in the, uh, in the Metroplex and a chance to make a huge statement um, early on. Um, speaking of teams that have a chance to make a statement in non-district, I see you got Prosper schedule up there, Brian. I mean, when you make it four rounds deep in the playoffs the year before, you got to, and you, you know you're playing Geyer and Allen yeah. in district play, you got to beef up your, your non-district schedule. And that's what Prosper did, man. They're, they're off their, you know, the best year, at least in either 5A or 6A um, ever, you know, surprised some folks and making it to four rounds deep facing Rockwell in the playoffs. And, well, they're going to be tested because they have two brutal road games. Week two, they play uh, Mansfield Lake Ridge, who a team they faced in non-district play before when they were a 5A team, when they were both 5A. Uh, and then in week three, they take on South Lake at Dragon Stadium. It's called Dragon Stadium, right? Yes, is it, it is. Okay. I've been there once. Um, but, yeah. So at Dragon Stadium, and we all know about South Lake and the dominance they've had over the past, what, two decades. So they're going to be fully ready. And then they take on Arlington Lamar um, that's a, that's in a week four. That's a full-blown 6A non-district schedule. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a step up from what they had been playing these last two years. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, because, you know, right there in week six, you're playing Geyer. And then at the end, you know, there's no slouches really in that district. You know, you're facing a familiar team in Little Elm, who they were in the same district with when they were their last two years in 5A. And, you know, Denton Braswell is up and coming, you know, making a playoff run last year, and they're making the move to 6A. Uh, you know, McKinney, who's got who had a bunch of sophomore studs a year ago, so they they should be fully ready. You know, they play South Grand Prairie in week one, yeah. and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, I'm t- completely looking over it because of, <laughs> you know, Lake Ridge and oh, yeah, South Lake. Don't sleep on SGP by any stretch. Oh, I know for sure. Game. So those four matchups are, are, are brutal for Prosper. But you know what? They're one to get better. They're, they're trying to prove that, hey, last year was no fluke and that we can, you know, that they can do it again. How about a how about a sexy and Rowlett, Devin? How do, how do they decide to approach the other preseason? Uh, you know that they again kind of no real flashy, sexy matchups. I do like though the one in particular that I, I am looking forward to is Saxy against Coppell oh, yeah. in the opener. Just That's because been a quality game for the last just, couple of years, just because of what they produced the last yeah. two seasons. I mean that Coppell, I guess two years ago, Coppell wins thirty to twenty eight on a last second. I can't oh, yeah. remember, like fifty five yard, fifty seven yard field goal. Something. Kane Davis, high yeah. school kid, does that like. Kane Davis, Davis and, he, and he did it on a consistent <laughs> basis. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was obviously an instant classic. And then last year, Saxe gets a measure of revenge. And then another close game, they were behind going into the fourth quarter, and they win 33-30. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's produced two good games already, so that makes you want to kind of see the third installment. And I'm interested to see how Saxe's offense, you know, they went through the quarterback rotation last year, and it, it had, had some highs and lows. Uh, but they never really could, you know, gain that consistency that they had, you know, in previous years. Um you know, I don't know if they're going to have a rotation this year because, you know, Parker Wells is back, uh, who split time last year. But Jordan Neighbors, who played wide receiver for most of the year, did get a look at quarterback and played quarterback at junior varsity beforehand. He was just a sophomore last year, outstanding athlete. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do during the spring in terms of uh, – because I know they'd rather not do a rotation, you know, again, uh, in terms of looking at those two guys. But, you know, they have a 1,200-yard rusher in Sean Coleman that's back, one of the better running backs in the area. So it'll be interesting to see how that offense develops, uh, you know, especially if they can find a consistent quarterback, a uh, starting quarterback, I should say. Um, and, and, again, that, that's just kind of the one that, that jumps out. Sachs, he also plays Red Oak and Denton Braswell, um, which is an interesting mix because they don't have really any history. But just based on the last two years and what that Sachs Coppell opening week uh, matchup has done, that's that's one that's going to be fun to watch, I think. We can close out with a look at, I guess, something unique that's going on up in McKinney, you know, as far as how McKinney's oh, decided yeah. to approach, I guess, the uh, the third year of its, of its – uh, 
of its $70 million palace, as Kendrick Johnson will call it, McKinney ISD Stadium. So um, they're doing something what's called the 2020 McKinney Classic. You know, in years past, they had pit, you know, McKinney and McKinney North against each other for that first week of the season. Um, well, they're actually going away from the rivalry aspect of the opening week. Um, and they're actually playing three out-of-state teams. And it's, um, it's a two-day two uh, event. So uh, that Friday, you're going to have McKinney High open up against Springdale Harbor of Arkansas. And then on Saturday, you're going to have a doubleheader with uh, the other two McKinney schools against a pair of Oklahoma-based schools. Um, you're going to have McKinney North against Westmore. And then McKinney Boyd plays Midwest City. Um, I mean, as far as just, again, it's three teams that um, you know are obviously brand new as far as opponents go. But it's three teams that I think um, kind of fit the bill as far as kind of where the three McKinney programs are at. It's because you'll sometimes see if you uh, if you see an Oklahoma school making the trips out, that's usually like Tulsa Union or Jenks or Broken Arrow, one of the one of the real heavy you know heavy hitters up there. You know these three are a bit more in line with kind of where McKinney ISD's at. You know Westmore was six and four last season. Uh, Midwest City was four and seven. The most uh, credential to the lot is Harbor. They were eight and four and um, actually ranked number thirteen in the state. Um, you know by Max Preps. Now to be fair, I'm not entirely sure what that means. I was looking back over the history of uh, of Harbor and they had a year in 2014. They went three and eight and finished the year ranked number nineteen in the state. So there's, only, there's th- only twenty-two teams in the yeah. state apparently. So. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, nevertheless, though, it is kind of a unique deal, though, as far as uh, you know, McKinney uh, looking to kind of grow the profile of that stadium by uh, you know by welcoming in three brand new schools from uh, from out of state to the uh, you know to the uh, to the area for that opening week. So um, so yes, that is um you know kind of a look as far as some of the uh, an early look at some of the week one, week two, week three, some of the preseason uh, games of note that are in our coverage area. And uh, yeah, it's like I said, there's never a bad time to get a jump start on talking some Texas high school football. So, uh, yes, that is uh, that, that, and that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, Yes, big thanks to Kelly's Craft Tavern. Obviously, they're starting to fill up a bit here. Folks partaking in the the craft beers at the the full-service bar, the the made-from-scratch foods, everything from barbecue to Tex-Mex, just all sorts of good stuff here. We're about to go chat out on some of that ourselves, actually. Um, And, yes, folks, Kelly's Craft Tavern out here in Frisco, located, let me pull this up, at Preston Ridge on the west side of Preston Road, just north of 121. And yes, once again, a big thanks to Kelly's Craft Tavern for having us out here to record this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, and we'll, uh, I guess, get back on track as far as the high school sports that are going on at the moment. Probably talk a little, uh, little high school basketball, since uh, it's very much uh, the postseason is alive and well right now. We'll probably, uh, hey, we might have a team or two heading to state at this time next week. We, will, we, uh, we shall see. Until then, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.